Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big, the handsome one that stands right in the middle. That's me. And you're listening to Music Mania Podcast. Thank you so much, man. I, I love talking about the things that I love, Clint. And for you to allow me to do it with you, uh, I am the Music Mania Podcast. You are the best. You got the best. We roll tonight to the guitar bite. And for those about to rock, I salute you. You're ready for some screaming heavy metal? Scream for me, Brazil! Scream for me, Brazil! We rock! You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast, brought to you by CD Warehouse in Gladstone the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Schweitzer. Welcome to a special bonus edition of the Music Mania podcast, guys. We don't normally do this. Of course, our show usually comes out on Friday, every Friday. This week, we had to do an extra one. I've been so backlogged with interviews, I really wanted to get to a couple of interviews that are very important to me. So on this show, you're going to be speaking with Jeff Carlson of the Jeff Carlson Band. Their new single, Jukebox Hero, featuring Frank Hannon on guitar, is available now. Go to jeffcarlsonband.com for all the details. What a conversation I had with Jeff. He is a great guy. He is hilarious. And come to find out, we had a ton in common. Both of us are huge KISS fans, and he's going to talk about the time he came on stage and sang with KISS at a KISS convention. No lie, it's on YouTube. In addition to that, we're going to be talking with our good friend Zach Baer. His new single, Ordinary Girl, is gaining traction on hard rock radio, and it tackles the serious issue of suicide awareness head on. A lot of people don't realize suicide is currently the third leading cause of death among young people ages 15 to 24. So what Zach Baer and the Zach Baer Band are doing, very important stuff. So please head over to ZachBear.com. You can get the information and you can check out the song Ordinary Girl. They also have an EP out. And I'll tell you, Zach Baer, another great guy. We like to support these tremendous artists that are out there that are battling through not being able to tour. And COVID-19 has just ravaged so much. And we're going to talk to each of these musicians about it, starting uh, with Jeff Carlson coming up here in our first segment. But guys... Our show is going to be coming out on Friday, as always. It's going to feature Frank Stallone. But this special episode, it just makes me really happy to be able to bring this to you because it means that uh, the content, the need for the content, rather, is there. You guys have been with us this whole time. Your money stays and plays with the Music Mania podcast. You know what you're going to get from us. That is top-notch interviews, and that is certainly the case here as we're going to be bringing on our first guest. And we're going to start things off with our good friend Jeff Carlson, who joins us. Jeff How's it going, my friend? Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Great, bro. Thanks for calling. Oh, man. Thanks for joining us today. How's everything been going? And that's a loaded question. I, I always start off and you say something casual like that. And what? how's it going? It's so layered these days. What, what's been up, man? Everything good? Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, everything's great. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I wish we could play, but, <laughs> you know, it'll come eventually, fingers crossed. We're just writing uh, for our new record, and we're getting ready to record here in a couple, uh, start tracking here in a couple, probably the end of the of the month. 
have you found a bit of a blessing in disguise in that to be able to have time to kind of delve into the to the music like that? Is that how you've yeah. kind of th- thought of yeah, it? Yeah, because you can you can really detail the songs that way. You know what I mean? I, I mean, it's it's a lot. You, in other words, by the time you're done recording it, hopefully it's given us enough time to where we can go back and listen and go, okay, I wish I'd. I did, you know, I, I should have done this, you know, or I should have done that. So by, by the time we actually get around to actually tracking in, in the final recording, it's all done. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, absolutely. And looking much forward to that. How many shows were, ballpark, were kind of impacted for you guys? Did you have a, a, a big run of shows this summer? Kind of how many? Well, we were working on it. Our, our, our next show was supposed to be April 17th. At the House of Blues here in Las Vegas, opening for direct support for Tesla. Wow. <laughs> and that got, you know, blown apart. So, but, you know, hey, man, everybody's kind of in the same boat. So I'm, I'm really trying to be as positive and upbeat about it as I possibly can without sounding, you know, what was me. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, there's no favoritism in this in this crap that we're dealing with you know what I mean? <laughs> that's very true and I, I mean it trickles down i mean you think about and I, that's totally. that's where it breaks my heart is okay could kiss and aerosmith survive uh without being able to complete the current tours they're on of course they can but it trickles down to the people that work for them to publicists and to media exactly. people like me i mean i cover you know 40 to 60 shows each year and we're sitting oh, here yeah. going wow what do I, I don't even know what what to do this summer jeff i'm sitting I around you're like what the hell do you even do when there's well, no concerts well, see, I'm lucky because um, I've got Crohn's disease. <laughs> That's kind of an odd thing. That's to the say, lucky though. part, right? No. <laughs> uh, no, I, no I'm, I'm, I'm disabled because of it, so I don't. I, I'm not missing any any work. Thank God is the, the point I'm trying to make. Right. You know? But I mean, I, I died for almost three minutes on the operating table in 2001. Wow. Seven surgeries later, you know, the man upstairs allowed me to live my dream. <laughs> oh, wow. That's incredible. And with my wife, you know, she helps me too. That's a big, yes. A big positive. <laughs> it, it, well, it certainly is. And like, you know, the crazy thing is right before this happened, I mean, I think your video for jukebox hero premiered like fe- February 28th. So literally like a right. week or two before things kind of went to hell, this video is awesome. The song's off. Awesome. I'm, I mean, I'm just an unabashed fan of foreigner and uh, this song. So kind of take us back to that. Thanks, the, the year started off so well in general. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm in Kansas City, Jeff. The Chiefs win Super Bowl 54. Things are looking up. I saw Aerosmith February, I think, uh, 10th in Vegas. And then the th- the, the, the wheels start coming off uh, about a month yeah. later. So take us back to the release of Jukebox Hero. Why that song? Kind of how this all came about. Well, here's what happened. Um, I'm close friends with Frank Hannon. Um, he's, a, he's a good buddy of mine. Um and last November, he invited me up to, because Tesla had some time off, and they had just gotten off the road. I think they just got done with the Monsters of Rock cruise. And, or no, that was, was that February? No, okay. That was this year. No, they had, they had some time off between between uh, shows. So he had a gig booked up in uh, Sacramento where he lives, and he had a, a private party, and the guy wanted a whole set of Tesla. And I've I've played I've known Frank since 2010 when my band I used to live in Tucson Arizona, and we opened for Frank uh, back then, and I had gotten up and sang Modern Day Cowboy with him, and ever since that night we were always you know he's one of these guys man that he's so down to earth and so cool that if I don't talk to him for you know if he goes out on the road with Tesla 
prior to all this crap and I don't talk to him for like, you know, six months or something or whatever, we pick right up where we left off. You know what I yeah. mean? So it's, it's really cool because he had this, uh, this gig booked and uh, I flew up and rehearsed with him and, um, it was so much fun. It, you know, I mean, it was a dream come true for me. It was just a lot of fun. Oh. And so I asked him, I'm like, Hey man, do you mind if, uh, I'm getting ready to do this song. You, you want to lay down a, a track for me? He's like, yeah, sure. So he said, I sent him the track and, and you know, the reason I picked jukebox heroes, I lost my dad in the end of uh, January 20th of this year. Wow. Um, and, uh, he, he always remind. He always played that. I mean, when Foreigner Four came out, I was like nine. <laughs> it was like nineteen eighty, <laughs> and uh, so he always said it reminded him of me, you know. And I thought, well, you know what? That's a great tribute to him. So, um, yeah, here we are. <laughs> it, it, it is a tremendous. It's the and, and, Digest version of it. Well, I, I, <laughs> I like. Well, it's a tremendously done song, and uh, Frank is a good friend of ours. He's been on our show multiple times. He has a, a podcast of his own, which is tremendous as well. Yeah, I was just on it not too long. Oh uh, yeah, I caught awesome. that. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yep, that's so cool. And he and to and I and he just released. I mean, a couple years ago, just released like a couple of albums of cover songs and like uh, yeah. and around from this era, a lot of '70s stuff. You know, Deep Purple stuff like that. But. Mm-hmm. This suited him well. This suited you guys well. This is a, a, just a great cover. And I mean, so were, were, were you a big, for, I know you know the story with your dad and everything is tremendous, but uh, were you a big Foreigner fan growing up? And, and another thing. Absolutely. I mean, Foreigner oh, God, has reached. since the first album right. when I was a kid. I mean, please, who, I don't understand uh, how you can not love Foreigner. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I think that, you know, what's crazy to me, and I, I'm a huge fan, I, we're, we're uh, you know, Jeff Pilsen's a good friend of ours, Kelly Hansen. I mean, the, the new incarnation of Foreigner is so tremendous, um, you know, not to take anything away from the original lineup, but it's so tremendous. And I, I believe Foreigner, of, of, of the big four of, you know, say classic rock bands from the 70s, if you want to say, like Styx, Foreigner, uh, you know, Boston Journey. I feel like that Foreigner is my favorite one of the four, but they are the least heralded of the four in my mind. And yet, I know, I know. Right? I know. You got to throw Ario in that. that yeah, you're right. Of, of course. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Ario to me kind of died when Gary died. You right. Know I mean, Gary Richrath was my all-time guitar hero, man. Him and Randy Rhodes, you know. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, what do you, do you how, how do you feel about the current incarnation of Foreigner? I mean, Mick Jones, but all, you know, mostly... Mostly all new guys, but they're still, I mean, they're, they, oh, they're incredible. Yeah. They're amazing. Oh my God. Um, one good thing. I have a friend of mine here in Las Vegas, um, that, uh, a buddy of his, uh, played in the new incarnation of, of Asia and they were on the road with Lou Graham, uh, last year. Yeah. And, uh, right when I did this, I sent it to him and he got it to Lou and Lou gave his thumbs up. So, I mean, that, that's really cool. Wow. <laughs> that's the ultimate right there. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and do you feel like this, at least for you guys, will provide some much-needed momentum coming into yes. to the writing for the next album? How big is that for you guys in that regard? Uh, it's huge because this will be our full, first full-length record. Um, and a lot of, you know, I've played with Corey, my bass player, and Robbie, my lead guitar player, on and off since 1998. So when we first got together, we had a ton of old songs we wanted to revisit and rewrite them basically to fit in today's uh, production and, and just not sound dated, in other words, you know, and there's a lot of good parts. So we had to sit down and really, you know, rip them apart and go, OK, let's let's do what a producer would do, you know, and, and, and just really make this the best it could be. And that's kind of where we're at right now. So, well, talk about being uh, based out of Las Vegas, because obviously it is, um, you know, 
one of you know one of the most crazy unpredictable cities in the world in Las Vegas, but in Las Vegas, in a lot of ways, so many musicians have moved from LA to Vegas or LA to Nashville. It's almost like Vegas is sort of the new LA, like from the eighties, if that makes any sense right. at all. It kind of is. Well, all the, all the actual, I think Vince Neal has a house or he did. I don't know if he yeah. still has one here or not, but he, I know he moved to Nashville. He used to live here at Spanish trail, uh, which is a big area off of Tropicana out here that all the major stars live in, you know, the high end right. area. Um, but um you know right now it's dead man because sure. just, you know because of what's going on and it's really we're just you know crossing our fingers and hopefully hopefully you know that they just had a um i saw here last week or the week before on the local news here they had a lot of the texts that were just you know out up you know trying to make their case known by you know, not uh, protesting, but just out there letting people know, hey, look, you know, there's nothing going on right now, and we depend on this for a living. So, you know, let's help. <laughs> Can we, you know, get some kind of financial help or whatever, you know, which I really feel bad. That sucks, man. Oh, yeah, of course. Like I mentioned, it trickles down so much, and Vegas represents everything to me that is, like, what I want out of life. I mean, from the entertainment <laughs> aspect. I mean, it is, and... Yeah. You, I mean, you guys have played. What, what, what's your favorite venue to play out there? I know you guys have played out Counts Vamped, uh, House of Blues, Mandalay Bay. I mean, what, what's some of your favorite venues well, to play? Honestly, the only three venues we've played since we've uh, arrived on the scene, basically, because I got signed in uh, seventeen with my, uh, so with uh, originally I got signed on Potomac Records, which is run by um, Mike Bailey, who is the drummer of Brett Michaels' solo band. He signed me to a solo deal, so I put my band back together. And at that time, I was living in Tucson, and I, uh, I I put the guys together out here. So by the time I got out here in June of 2018, we'd start hitting it, you know, and recording and getting out. And we've, we've done a lot of shows from the Whiskey in L.A., you know, Hollywood, and then House of Blues here in Las Vegas, one show, and then Counts Vamp. Between the three venues, man, we've done a lot of great shows. I mean, we played from everybody from Phil X, you know, Bon Jovi to uh, – Lita Ford, Fast yeah. Pussycat, Jack Russell. I mean, the list goes on. You know, I mean, it's we've been really fortunate. So, um, honestly, those those two places in Las Vegas, House of Blues and 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 uh, Counts Vamp, are my favorite places to play. Honestly, yeah, that that House of Blues is so. I saw Michael Schenker Fest in there. I'm a huge Schenker fan. Oh yeah, he's amazing, amazing venue, and and you know, we there's House of Blues yeah, across Robin the country. He had Robin McCauley and uh, Gary Barden and nice. yeah, the, all of them. Yeah, it was Doogie White. It was awesome. And so that was, uh, yeah, that was uh, back about a year and a half ago. And, you know, I, I, my, my cousin lives in Vegas. Here's a, here's a funny story. My cousin moves to Las Vegas from Chicago and he's out there. And I mean, he he's he hits the casinos. He's like, he does the poker stuff full time. He had to come back here to Clinton, Missouri in the middle of the pandemic just to have something to do. That's how crazy oh it was God. in Vegas, man. It's wow. like, hey, well, listen, this, there's a little bit of trivia for you, bro. I'm from Springfield originally, actually Nixa. You went to, I saw on your uh, Facebook that you said Nixa High, and I was like, surely that doesn't mean Nixa, Missouri. Yeah, You're kidding dude. me. <laughs> no, <laughs> I had a band in the early '90s, um, or yeah, early '90s called China Blue, and we were an original band, and we used to play Nathan P. Murphy's there on the on the on the square in, in in Springfield all the time man it was a lot of fun I know that exact 
part of town. My my dad still lives in Springfield. He he lives in Nixa right now. So I was I was just there. Wow. I was just in the Springfield <laughs> Zoo this last weekend. I live in Kansas City, but you know in Missouri it's all yeah. all drivable. So it's yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, man. That's well, crazy. Naked Zoo, right? You remember the band Naked Zoo? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so you I know those guys. Brian Lawson, their bass player. Wow. We had a band called Open Fire for a little while. Named it after Y and T, obviously, but we I, were a cover band, but. That's funny you say that. Y&T was the last band I saw uh, before. Uh, it was March 5th, and uh, by a week later, it was all done. And I that was, uh, my, currently, my last show is Y&T here in Kansas City. Oh, wow. So that's funny. Small world. My show was here with Jizzy Pearl's Love Hate at Counts Vapt on February 29th of all days. <laughs> wow. I know. I saw that you guys and you guys were, uh, yeah, I saw that you guys were scheduled with with uh, Jizzy Pearl and uh, and then you know Jizzy was kind of back with Quiet Riot and then Frankie Benelli passes away just a, a week and a half ago. Yeah, that broke my heart. Dude. It does. I loved he him. He was such a sweetheart. I loved him too. What yep. what what is uh with the last show you went to as a, as a fan before things got crazy? Do you remember oh, that? Oh gosh, as a fan, uh, probably Jeff Tate's Queensrÿche. He was at Counts Vamps. He was amazing. Oh my God, he's still I love Jeff. His vibes, man. Yeah, he's incredible. I was I was pissed because I had I was supposed to come out for uh you know Queensrÿche with uh, Todd Latore, uh, opening uh, for Scorpions on their residency there in Vegas, and of course that got canceled along with everything else. Yeah. So I was. Uh, just too many, too many things went by the wayside this year, man. It's too many. It's, I know. It's, yeah. We got to get you. Got we got to get back. So you guys, when, what, when can fans kind of expect? What, what's your? Do you have a target kind of for the yeah, album absolutely. release? Um, well, here we want to do uh, finish the record. We start tracking the uh, at the end of September. That'll give us the whole month of October, November to kind of uh, get get everything dialed in exactly how we want to film a new video i'm not sure what the single's going to be yet but um once we get that done and get the video and everything done it'll all be packaged and our label will put it out in january sometime awesome that'll be that yeah. well, it should be then hopefully by then we're just creeping a little more towards normalcy yeah. let's hope that that happens Oh, God. For your guys' sake, I hope so, because you guys are just one of those bands. Thanks, you do it the right way. You guys are hardworking. You're you're out there slugging it out, and you're, you've are you yeah. got some great material, and I just uh, hope you. the best for you coming up, man. This I appreciate it, Clint. Thank you so much, brother. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's bands like you guys that keep this uh, keep this thing rolling. You know, like I said, uh, you know, Kiss doesn't tour. We can, you know, we can get around that. We can live with it. But, but the foundation of, of, of rock and roll and what we have coming up, that's you guys. We gotta yeah. have it. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. Well, you know, I I got to open for Jack Russell at at the Whiskey last year, and um, he finally approved my friend request <laughs> after like a year. I'm still waiting he too. <laughs> yeah, and he was like, "Hey, man, keep rock and roll alive." I'm like, "You got it. <laughs> I can do that." <laughs> I love Jack, and I tell you what, I Jack too. Jack's voice is still in oh. so, such tip top shape after all that that guy's been through and all the. And he'll to he'll admit it. All the ups and downs and the and the oh, addictions yeah. and that voice, man. When you hear it, it's like it just it just resonates right there. Well, it's, that's the thing. I mean, you know, God love Great White for continuing their careers, and it's unfortunate that they had a, uh, a falling out with Jack sure. for whatever reason. But I'll tell you, good luck replacing his voice because I don't see it happening. <laughs> it doesn't. You can't. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, Jeff. Before we let you go, I got to hit you with our our uh, our final four drum roll here, which is four quick questions, and you give us whatever comes to mind off right off the top you of your head, it. man. Okay, yeah, what really. is the first album you remember buying with your own money, or I guess that you stole? I guess it could go either way. Uh, no, I never stole anything. Okay, good. <laughs> um, Kiss alive. Oh, 
Man, now that's a great answer there. I'm such a yeah. kiss mark. I was actually on my way to kiss in Tulsa on March 12th when like the world started ending all around us. They canceled that show. That was the first show they canceled and all snowballed around it. Uh, yeah, well, my mom took me to see him on the live tour when I was four, dude. You're and kidding. Black Oak, Arkansas. That was the other one. Jim Dandy. Yeah. He that was... was badass, dude. He was so cool. I met him when I was a little kid, too, and that was like starting in my... Uh, ever since that point, and I wanted to be a rock star, right? Or the, not a rock star, but a, you know, a musician. <laughs> that that was my follow-up question. So your for, first concert was Kiss Alive. Where was that? Where was that show at? Uh, that was that was actually in uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, when wow. I was a kid. Yeah, it's not there anymore. But it used to be a, a venue called the Mary East Sawyer Auditorium, and man, I wish it still was there because it would be a dream of mine to play it. I mean, it would be so cool. That that's <laughs> I love stories like that. I love. I mean, I I'm only 36, so like all my concert experiences have all been you know from 90 you know mid to late yeah. 90s on so it's like of course i've seen all these bands but not in the in the, see them before that before they really blew up with destroyer on that a lot that that's incredible and oh, i love yeah. that so, um what uh show or shows have you been kind of binge watching during during this time ozark i love ozark <laughs> um, you know that you know you dude, know that is so diabolical jason bateman is awesome <laughs> plus you can tell people that you know that you know people from ozark the ozarks aren't really quite quite as uh hardcore as they right. portrays in the show right <laughs> yeah right right well at first i saw the, the word ozark and i'm thinking ozark missouri because that's right outside of nixon yeah. you know and i'm like but no they're talking about lake of the ozarks up there, right which i've been there too i played up there before you know it's I played all over Missouri, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. People don't written this is a good state, man, for rock and roll. This isn't bad. Missouri no. from Kansas City, you got two major cities on either either side. You've got the southern side where you got, you know, Branson and Springfield and that Poplar right. Bluff. There's a lot going on here. More than Yeah. More than like Kansas yeah. or Nebraska or something. Come on. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> I played Beatrice, Nebraska once, man, and it was a titty bar in the day, and it was it was a bar at night. Oh my god! I used to have a T-shirt from there that says "Titties and Beer." Those are the kind. Those are my kind of venues, man. Uh, All right. All right, man. Last one. What? Uh, you know, I know you've mentioned some of the bands you played with. Do you have a, a moment, kind of a starstruck moment, in, in a band that you guys have opened for? You know, you mentioned Lita Ford, and I'm, I'm a huge Tora Tora fan, so they were in there too. What? What? Oh, or those Tesla? Guys. Those guys are really cool. Um, a starstruck moment, I would have to say the. Okay, here's a story for you. 1995, St. Louis, Missouri, at the St. Louis Hilton, Kiss was having the uh, 95 Kiss convention. Yes. Um, and my buddy Frank Howell, I'll give a shout out to. He's uh, he and I um, were uh, walking around, so we were trying to find a place to eat. So we drove all the way around the city, couldn't find a place with that sounded good. So we go back to the hotel, and we were staying at the hotel at that time. And I look ahead, and we go into the place where you – the hotel restaurant, and you see – I saw this table with like 12, 13 people. And I saw these these guys with long hair, but I couldn't see who they were at first. And I jokingly slapped my buddy, and I said, hey, man, on the shoulder. I go, hey, man, wouldn't that be funny if it was Gene and Paul? And – when my eyes focused, it really was Gene and Paul. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and get this, we walked by, I had to order a Jack and Coke just to calm the hell down because I couldn't believe they were literally five feet away from us. <laughs> I don't blame <laughs> like, you. Oh my God, dude. So then it gets better. They do the, the thing where they come out at the end of the show and they play what everybody wants to hear acoustic, right? Well, I was literally like five feet in front of them. So I stood up and Paul wanted me to sing, uh, the, the beginning of heaven's on fire. So I sang it 
Gene handed me his mic, and I did the, the beginning of Heaven's on Fire in the first verse with him. And it's actually on YouTube. If you, if oh, my God. I'm searching it. I've got to find it. go to <laughs> Jeff Sings, Heaven's on Fire with Kiss. It's on there, man. I, it was like a, a I could die now moment. Bucket list, man. <laughs> you've got to be, that is insane because that's, that's like a bit of a tough intro. That's a bit of a falsetto to start off. That's kind of a tough falsetto to, to, to sing that intro. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean. I, I'm blessed because I've gotten a tone real similar to Paul Stanley's, uh, and a lot of people have said I sound like him. I, I don't think I do necessarily when I sing my own music, but when you hear me do a Kiss song, yeah, it's pretty close. <laughs> was uh, was Peter on the? Was he at that no. show? Or that no, was no, no, some no, of the other ones. Bruce and Eric. Mm-hmm. That's where the reunion kind of got started. Yes, yeah. I think that started when they got to L.A. This was before they had gotten L.A., I believe. God, I think L.A. was the end of it or, or close to. And Peter came out and did Harlock Woman, and it just I think it just kind of steamrolled from there. Man, I'm on the know? video. I can't wait. I've got the video pulled out. This is going to be great. Okay, so we usually do a final four. got to do a final five drum roll because i got one more question for you because everybody makes fun yeah. of me to this day. I'm a giant, unabashed fan of 80s Kiss. Do you have a favorite 80s Kiss album? Hot in the Shade. No, I've never heard anyone say that. I love Hot in the Shade. Well, it's a com- it's a toss between Hot in the Shade and and um uh, uh Revenge. Uh Revenge was really good. That I was thought. so that was 92. I was I was kind of going with like okay, like Lick It Up, Asylum, Animalize and then Hot in well, the Shade rounded to, it technically, out. Technically, I guess Creatures of the Night. Uh, well, know, yeah. That that'd be one of my favorites too. Th- that yeah. was 82. That was one of my that is uh, you know, and then yeah. post makeup. I I always was a fan of like Animal, animalize, like I've had enough. Into the fire is one of my favorite oh, songs. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> such a absolutely. badass song, and never hear much about it. This Jeff, I can't tell you how much fun I've had with you, man. You're a cool guy. We got to get, we got to get too. together. We got to get Jeff Carlson man on the road. We got to do this thing right. We'll come out and see you guys, review a show, absolutely. hang out. We got to do this. We this is that's our goal for 2020, 21, man. We got to make this happen. It's gonna happen, brother. That's that'd be just amazing. I can't thank you enough for having uh, me on your show, Clint. This was awesome. This was awesome. I tell, I, you, tell you guys to just keep checking back. Yes. On our website, you know, and our first, our gigs will be out there on Facebook, Instagram, everywhere, you know, yep. so. The site's jeffcarlsonband.com. Doesn't get much more simple than that. Check it out, guys. Always appreciate it, Jeff. This was awesome. Can't thank you enough. Thank you, stay brother. safe and stay healthy, my friend. You too, buddy. You thank bet. You. That was just tremendous. I love Jeff's stories. He is a hilarious guy, and we really hit it off during this interview. It was awesome. So go to jeffcarlsonband.com. You can check out the video, uh, the cover of Jukebox Hero that they did with Frank Hannon. What a great story that was. Also on YouTube, go to jeffcarlsonband.com. Now, our next guest is Zach Baer, the Zach Baer Band. Man, what a multi-talented guy Zach is. And the single ordinary girl, it, it tackles some really tough subject matter, but stuff that we really need to hear right now because, guys, suicide is still happening. Just because COVID-19 is here doesn't mean that people still aren't. In fact, it's needs more awareness. September is National Suicide Awareness Month, so let's bring some light to that. We're going to talk to Zach Bear right now. Oh, you're quite welcome, and I appreciate the opportunity. Going well. Well, glad to hear it. A lot going on in your camp. Zach, let's talk about it. You've been doing some really powerful stuff here, some really meaningful things, and I'm so glad to to have been able to, to check this out. Ordinary Girl, awesome, it's, it's the EP that drops here September 1st, but the video's already out. Tell us about this. You've kind of partnered um, 
and you're kind of helping out with, uh, you know, looking at youth suicide prevention, uh, teaming with them, and a percentage of the sales goes to that. Yeah. What, what kind of how did this yeah. come about as far as teaming with that, making kind of this the theme of uh, the music that you guys are coming out with right now? Yeah, so just a, a little background on the song. I, I actually wrote the song um, a number of years ago for, um, it's about a young lady that was contemplating uh, suicide and she ended up, you know, we, you know, myself and her family and a few others surrounded her with, you know, with love and with, with uh, support. And she ended up not, you know, going through with the act, thankfully. And uh, I, I'd actually written that song and kind of tabled it for quite some time. And then the, uh, the, the COVID came along. <laughs> and uh, uh, last year, I, I lost an employee of one of my music venues to suicide wow. and it kind of reignited my interest in, you know, trying to get this to uh, tune to fruition. So I ended up uh, getting the song done, getting the EP done and, uh, uh, partnered with this group called the American, uh, foundation for suicide prevention. Uh, so hopefully, you know, if I can sell some, uh, <laughs> sell some copies of this song then then we can, you know, maybe save a couple of lives with, uh, uh, you know, try to try to get the word out and, and let people know that there are people and organizations to help in case somebody is feeling suicidal. So that's kind of the, the long and the short of it, and I'm hoping it has a positive impact. I'm glad that this is being brought to light, not to disparage anything that's going on in the world right now. We know people are, are suffering, but for ages sure. 15 to 24... This is the largest cause of death, and I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm also a sports journalist. I um, covered SEC football media days last year, and every question asked coaches about the mental health of their team. That seems to have gone away this year. We're not talking about it as much. That kind of it breaks my heart a little bit because this is near and dear to my heart as well. We've all, I think most people know someone that's that's been afflicted or that, uh, you know, has a family member or a friend yeah. or someone so I'm so glad this is being brought to light, especially in the musical realm, Zach. I think this is very important, and I'm glad this is coming up right now because I don't think it's getting enough play right now. No, it's it's really not. And, and you know, the thing about uh, the pandemic is you're actually – I haven't seen the statistics, but I'm imagining that, you know, the, the incidences of uh, people taking their own lives may, may be even higher during, during this time because of – you know, being cooped up in the house. And I mean, I certainly know there's more issues with domestic violence and things like that. So, um, you know, it's probably a really good time to bring this back to light. And of course, September is uh, National Suicide Awareness Month. Uh, so hopefully, you know, people can really kind of dive in and start paying attention again to this. And what, what, what I think a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, you may know somebody right now that is you know, contemplating suicide or is in a really depressed state, and they might not be giving off, you know, really evident signals that that's going on. So I think we as fellow humans need to be more observant to, you know, to, to, to key into that, to kind, of, kind of identify when they're made, you know, they may not be outwardly communicating it, but throwing off really silent signals or, you know, you just kind of get a feeling that something might be right. It's, uh, it's kind of on us to reach out to them you know, to see, hey, you know, hey, are you okay? What's going on in your life? You know, um, you know, let's talk about this. Well, absolutely. Wonderfully said. Tell us about the rest of the EP because you've got uh, five new songs and a remastered version of uh, Rutherford Drive. Again, comes out uh, September 1st, which is tomorrow. 
Tell us about kind of the rest of these songs, how this all came to be, and um, produced by Grammy Award winner uh, Skid Mills, who's done some great stuff with bands like Saving Abel, 12 Stones, Pop Evil, and Skillet. Just kind of talk about the re recording process of, of, of these songs and kind of why you went with an EP. You had just, you know, a, a big a hit back in 2019 with Rutherford Drive. You just kind of had these kind of specific songs set up for this. I know Ordinary Girl was one you already had in the can. What, what about the rest of these? What could people expect from the rest of these songs? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, the, the EP came about, you know, really because of, um, well, I'll backtrack a little bit. <clears throat> After we cut Rutherford Drive, um, we laid some of the, the foundations for some of these other songs. And then, you know, I got busy with, you know, my main career, which is, you know, going out on the road with artists and producing live recordings and things like that. And then um, wasn't really able to get back to it until the pandemic hit. And at that point, you know, I'm sitting here realizing that, you know, well, I might get this virus or my band guys might get this virus. Who knows if we're going to be able to, you know, actually get this music out. Um, and I guess it kind of gave me a sense of urgency uh, to connect with uh, Skid, who, you know, I'm based in Memphis and Skid uh, was based in Memphis for a real long time at Ardent Studios. And, you know, he now he's up in Nashville. Um, so, uh, you know, I called up my band guys, um, uh, my uh, and basically said, look, let's, let's get these songs done. Um, I think that we went ahead with five songs because I didn't want to spend a lot of time getting another five or six songs done when I know these will get done relatively quickly and we can maybe have some impact before the fall. Um, but, you know, there are five other good songs, I mean, five good songs on the record, uh, plus the Rutherford Drive, um, the the... the some of the songs uh, on the CD include a song called Fight, which is also very relevant in today's environment. I actually wrote that song for 9-11 and, and never did anything with it. Wow. <laughs> so, and uh, just, just so it turns out that the lyrics are very much in tune with what we're going through right now with the pandemic and the social upper, uh, unrest. Uh, so that's one song. And then another one is called um, Black, which is a little bit darker song um uh i lived in dallas fort worth for about 14 years and that song is about um this lady who lived in a suburb that ended up killing her kids and and trying to blame it on a burglar um I don't, you've probably heard of the story of Dar darley routier oh yes um, wow okay yeah yep. yep that's what that song is about wow. I wrote that you know quite some time ago as well and then the, the other songs uh one of them is called don't give up and then another one is called um great divide and both both of those are really positive uplifting uh, uh rock songs and uh i pulled my buddy uh my bass player uh, daniel dwight in uh daniel was actually a founding member of saving saving able mm -hmm. and uh, got him on the tracks and then my guitar player uh jeff cobble who played in a uh, in a band that's been around for a long time called medieval steel uh they're bigger in europe than they are here they're kind of like an epic rock band and my drummer, uh, uh, Jeff Ward, uh, who, who is also based here in the Mid-South. So we knocked it out and, and uh, got a really good video um, director, Blake Kimback, um, here in Memphis. And uh, really kind of put forth the effort to try to put together the best possible package and swing the bat and knock the sucker out of the park. Well, I would employ anyone to head over to uh, the website, ZachBearMusic.com, where you can get the information on how to get the EP. And of course, I assume it's available on all uh, digital platforms starting tomorrow, uh, you know, Apple and, and Amazon and everything like that. Is that the best way to get it just through the website or can you just 
go right to the right to the services themselves. What what's the best way for people to get a hold of this thing? Our website, or you can go directly to the stores. Uh, the single "Ordinary Girl" is already out, yes. um, and then the the entire EP drops tomorrow. So you can go to our site and click through. You can go directly to the stores, and and uh, you know we're literally on every possible platform there could be. <laughs> well, we're there. Hey, well, Zach, you're to say that you have your iron in a lot of fires would be a bit of an understatement. I mean, you're a longtime music <laughs> and technology entrepreneur, an executive, and a musician and a producer. What, what I don't, is it hard to find a balance for you? I mean, what, the gratification, where, where does it come from for you? Because you've been known to do so many wonderful things. You talked about producing live music from Peter Frampton to Slash to REO Speedwagon, a bad company. And then here you are releasing your own music and with your own band. Where, where does the gratification come from the most? Or does it, is it sort of just like, hey, you've got, you've got all these things going on. You have all these opportunities and ways to affect the music business. And you just sort of are able to compartmentalize and, and do all of them. What, talk about your career and how, you know, how this has gone for you and wh- why you, you went with the recording route. Why did you do, start this band? And, and you have your so many things that's going on. Take us through all of it, Zach. <laughs> well, um, so yeah, basically, uh, I mean, I, I've been in technology for a long time and I've been in music for a long time. I've played in cover bands for a long time and I've written songs for a long time. And and really the thrust of my career, especially as it pertains to music uh, and technology, has I've always been uh, the one to advocate for artists and put tools in their hands in order to either you know, generate new revenue streams for those artists, or uh, in the case of uh, Soundster, which is part of uh, uh, the company I'm CEO of right now, Venue, um, you know, that technology uh, helps to identify music that's played in bars and restaurants and even on radio, and will ultimately make sure that the correct stakeholders get paid, which is something that's absolutely not happening right now, because uh, the performing rights organizations don't really know how to, how to figure that out. Um, so I've always been really passionate about applying technology and solving problems in the music space and really bringing it up to the 21st century. As you probably know, the music business lags behind a lot in, uh, in terms of uh, technology and the business models. And I always felt that if we were able to introduce technology and solutions like Disc Live and like Set.fm, where we can go out and record these artists and release the content to fans as they're leaving the show, well, that creates a new revenue stream for the artist, and it also creates a really cool thing for the fans to, you know, to take home and enjoy and relive their concert over and over again. And, uh, you know, even though I, I cannot tell you how exciting it is to be standing on a stage um, recording uh, a Peter Frampton or a Slash or somebody like that and experiencing that over and over again and literally flying to every continent and, and uh, uh, you know, producing this content it's still not the same as throwing a guitar over your shoulder and uh and rocking out you know and uh, i finally got to the point where i've been in the business for 17 years and i've never played the you know quote unquote i'm a, I'm a musician two card and uh, <laughs> with the pandemic you know i, I just thought you know i'm look, I, I know all these guys and, and uh you know i have relationships now that i can leverage uh now that I couldn't back in the day. Uh, so more or less what I've done is kind of put together my own label team and uh, um, got this uh, EP done. And, you know, now we're, we're swinging that bat, as I mentioned. And I think that, you know, 
compartmentalizing is, is a good way to put it. I mean, I, I enjoy everything I do in the music space. Um, you know, I eat, sleep, and breathe music. I am an 18-hour-a-day kind of worker, so I can do everything in tandem with uh, my other responsibilities. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, there's nothing that beats the feel of touching people with your music and making them feel good and, and walk out of a show, you know, uh, you know, either dripping with sweat, wanting more, or, you know, in the cases of some songs we do, uh, make people cry. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. there's nothing else like that. that that's you a know? very good point. That's very heavy-hitting subject matter here, and I love that. Um, you, speaking of live recordings, I mean, you talked about, you know, being on stage and recording some of these bands in a live setting. The first time I remember really this happening was uh, 2004 Kisses Rock the Nation tour. I got an instant live CD from that. I thought it was the best piece of memorabilia that I've ever gotten from a show. And it seems like that it's not as, you know, prevalent these days. Wh wh where are we kind of at with the uh, the live recording as far as them being available sure. immediately after? I know bands like Metallica tend to release them maybe, you know, digitally after the fact. What, what, are, what are kind of the steps and what's... Where's this kind of going here in the future? Of course, that's hard to say with no live shows happening. But what, should it should that come back? And it will. Where, where are we at, kind of with that with that technology? Yeah. So back in the day, um, in 2004, our competitor uh, was Instant Live, and Instant Live was the one that did the the Kiss show. Right. And our uh, my brand Disc Live, which I've been running pretty much since uh, 2000 into 2003. Um, we've done everybody from. Um, uh, our, our first big tour that we did back in 2004 was with Pixies uh, on their comeback tour, which was awesome, and we've done a gazillion artists since then. Uh, but back in the day when we started, we were really ahead of the curve, and, and the record labels saw us more of, uh, more as a threat uh, than uh, a complimentary uh, revenue stream. Uh, so it really took a few years to get the industry caught up. Um, and... Uh, you know, Instant Live is no more. They're not around anymore. And I think we're probably the only company that's actually still doing, um, you know, the true immediate live situation. And, uh, you know, we kind of, we graduated a little bit, too, in, in that we have our set.fm uh, mobile app. So you can actually go to a show and you can get the, get the show on your mobile app as you're leaving as well, which is really cool. Um, but uh, what I've seen, actually, in the last several years is as cell phone recordings have become more prevalent and more artists don't like being recorded by cell phones or it disrupts their, uh, their concerts. Um, our product is, is actually taking more relevance because now we have the ability to deliver a high quality, um, you know, really nicely mixed product, um, collector's items in many cases to fans that, that actually monetizes the experience and allows the artist to, to generate a different revenue stream instead of just having them play on stage and people holding up their cell phones and posting poor quality audio, you know, up on, up on the internet. And they have no benefit from that. Um, so it's actually, it actually took a dip, you know, when, when we first started and then gradually over time, it's gotten more and more prevalent where, you know, last, last year we went out with, uh, uh, Rob Thomas on his world tour, uh, and we were actually scheduled for Matchbox 20 for this year, uh, and obviously that got put off till, uh, till 2021, but we think that 2021 is actually going to be a, a real breakout year for this concept, because all the artists and labels are looking for revenue that they lost in 2020. Yes, I love that, and I'm in. I think that's tremendous. 
Speaking of that, I mean, 2021, so much uncertainty still. Zach, I'm at 40 to 60 concerts a year covering them, doing reviews, doing interviews. It all trickled down. No live performances. It's been, uh, you know, it's been really rough on the music industry. But what about you guys? What about the Zach Bear Band? Because you talked about, uh, you know, putting together this music, talked about what a great band you have, some of these players. Have there been talks about live performances for you guys? Are you kind of wanting to keep this in studio? What What do you think is kind of the future for that? I know it's hard to say specifically because of the uncertainty, but where are we at with the with the live shows for you guys? Yeah, no, we, we love play, playing live. We did some, uh, before the pandemic hit, we played some, some large stages at, you know, some fairs and festivals, and then, of course, the pandemic hit, and the strategy is that we want to get traction with the EP uh, through the rest of the year, and then by the time the, the spring tour season comes around, we hope to be uh, booking some shows and getting out on the road, and there again, you know, I'm hoping that with the traction and with some of the rela- relationships we have, uh, we can you know, jump right out and get on some good uh, support uh, positions on some of the artists that we know. So we're absolutely going to play, no question. That it just sounds wonderful, and it just really, um, you know, it, it, it makes me long for it because it's you You don't realize, I mean, you take it for granted. I mean, I've been going to shows since I was a kid, and yeah. this is the first summer I, that I've not been to a live show. I mean, what, that, that you're, really? yeah. What what are your, your it's thoughts? I mean, it's your you're knee deep in the music industry. What's it's it's a it's a killer from all the way down from promoters to artists to publicists. Like this is just horrendous, right? I mean, it's awful. It's, it's awful, you know. And I, I also own a couple of small venues in in Memphis, and you know they double as a, a bar and restaurant. But really, the shows have been you know our thing, what we're known for. And unfortunately, um, we haven't been able to do live music for the duration and who knows when we're going to be able to do that uh, again, you know? So it's, it's, and, and really for a lot of places, a lot of um, venues that don't have a bar and restaurant that all they have is music. It's devastating. You know, a lot of them probably won't open back up again. Um, so, you know, it's terrible. And then you, then you have like a, um, guys like Mark Geiger, who uh, I know from uh, William Morris, uh, he's one of the co-founders of Lollapalooza. Um, he was saying that he doesn't think that it'll be until 2022 until, you know, some of these big tours start back. And I hope that, I hope he's not right. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I saw but, that. You know, I, I don't think it will be. I'm not going to say it's going to be that bad, but I'm going to say, you know, 2021 is absolutely going to be, you know, uh, probably, you know, springtime before we see any action at all. Yeah, that's it's unbelievable. But thank goodness, I think that, the good that comes out of this is so many artists that have released new music like yourself. I think people are just, they're searching, they want to, they have more time and maybe, you know, in this generation of such a short, short, uh, you know, time span and attention span for things that are able to take in new music. And I hope that people are uh, up for doing that for, for your EP here, Zach, because I think it's tremendous. And I, you know, I really just hope the best for you guys. Again, um, the website is zachbearmusic.com. You can get it there. It comes out tomorrow. Zach, I'm so excited for it. I love this. I love the the video for Ordinary Girl. It's very powerful. Thank you. And I think that this has some real legs to it, Zach. So I really hope for the best for you guys. And I can't thank you enough for, for joining us here today, man. Best of luck and stay safe and stay healthy, my friend. Man, Clint, thank you so much, man. I sure appreciate it.
Of course, you bet. Hopefully we see you guys live out there sometime in the not-so-distant future. I'll come by and say hello the right way with a, with a mask on and no handshake, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. Hey, thank Sounds you so good, much. Man. Appreciate it. Awesome, man. Rock on. Huge thanks to both of our guests. Guys, you can go to our website, musicmaniapodcast.com. All of our shows are archived there. And coming up here on Friday on our normally scheduled program, it's going to be none other than Frank Stallone. Yes, the brother of Sylvester Stallone. A guy that did the soundtrack for the movie Staying Alive. He's done music for Rocky and for Rambo and for everything in between. Frank Stallone's a great guy. We're going to talk to him about politics, music, acting, much more. It's all coming up. Thank you guys so much for checking out these very special interviews on the Music Mania podcast. Again, follow us on social media. Always appreciate it. We'll be back on Friday with Frank Stallone.